0: Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the the listening sheet. You'll see our scripture for the day at the top of, of the sheet there. John chapter two, nine through 11. Now let's stand and we'll read that together. This then is the text for today. When the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May God bless the reading of his word. There is a certain decorum you must maintain at a wedding. You don't want any incidents uh, like when someone locks their knees and passes out, which I have seen happen. Uh, you, you don't want to have any incidents like when a pregnant bridesmaid goes and throws up in the bushes. Uh, those are against decorum, but again, I've witnessed. When we go to a wedding, everyone is expected to be on their best behavior, clean-shaven, right for the moment. And when it comes to the wedding day, all eyes are on the bride. We, uh, the rest of us, we, we rise when she comes in. And we know what to do, even if, even if the preacher doesn't, doesn't tell you to rise, you know to stand. That's decorum. And the same, when she leaves, we all know to applaud as her and her husband walk out. It's all very set in stone. There's a proper decorum that you follow. The same was true of weddings in Jesus' day. There was a particular decorum that must follow. Some of it's the same as today, but but much of it was different. And in this text, in John chapter 2, we need to imagine a wedding that's something like this. A small town type wedding. Cana was a smaller place. A small town type wedding where they, they probably invited all in the community to come and be a part of this wedding. Everyone was invited. Jesus and his disciples, they, they were invited. Everyone was coming in to this wedding. And the party could last for days. It was, it was a common custom then that you could have a wedding that lasted an entire week. In fact, a, a large wedding in a small town like Cana of Galilee, Galilee could be the most festive time of year for that community. This is where we run into to one of the issues this morning. So w- one of the issues is, is sometimes, not always, but sometimes in, in weeks like this, in the most celebratory weeks of the year in a small community like this, people pitched in. And, and one, of the, one of the Hebrew customs was sometimes the guests were the ones that provided the wine for the festivities. And Jesus was capable. If anybody was capable, it was Jesus. And here he is in today's text, as the wedding runs out of wine, Jesus is standing there. And over near Jesus are six stone water pots. And so this, again, was a part of the Jewish decorum of the wedding feast, that, that Jesus would, would um, and all of his guests and the people that came with him, they would have to come, and when they came to the feast, they would have to be purified out of the water, out of these vessels, where they would wash their hands, and sometimes they'd be blessed and washed in other ways, but, but specifically their hands. And so they were going to have these washings throughout the feast. They were there to purify the guests for the meal and the ceremony, purity in these moments came through the water that was in those jars. And so all of that was well and good. They, they had a set way of doing things at this wedding. And Jesus disregarded their decorum. Now, you know, the, the first way Jesus disregards their decorum is, is spelled out by the head waiter there, that he, he served incredible wine when he did. The head waiter was flabbergasted when they waited until this point in the wedding, when it's well along in the wedding, before they served this masterpiece. They saved the best until now. Jesus was of a quality that was unparalleled. But there's a greater breach of decorum than that. The greater breach was in those purification vessels. There there were six of them set aside for the purpose of cleansing people, preparing their hands and feet for the feast that would be set before them. This held a special place in Jewish life. In in fact, it was such a special place that that later Jesus is accused uh, of turning his nose up of this, of breaking these kinds of customs. And, And here is Jesus embracing these six stone jars. And he tells the waiters to fill them up to the brim so that they're overflowing where the water is breaching the mouth. And spilling over. And those vessels, ready-made for purification, were sacrilegiously filled with a superior wine unlike any that wedding party had ever tasted. Jesus disregarded their purity decorum. Now like weddings, our places of worship have their own decorum too. Uh, we, we know good and well there, there's not tickets and there's not assigned seats, but there are assigned seats, aren't there? <laughs> this morning, Aaron knocked some of us out of our assigned seats, didn't he? We have our places we like to be. And the same thing when, when Aaron says, you better sing out, you better rejoice, then we rejoice, right? We, we stand up and we listen to that call. There's decorum in our places of worship. And there was a decorum in the temple in Jerusalem, too. When they approached worship, there was a specific decorum that you went about in that temple. Now, unfortunately, the decorum that was in place in Jesus' day was a decorum in the temple that broke God's heart. See, now in John 2, as we move from the wedding into the temple, we're just a few days away from Passover. It's this enormous Jewish festival when families from all over the country descend on Jerusalem And it was a good time for families. Families are coming together. Thousands, if not probably hundreds of thousands of people were coming into Jerusalem for this festival. In fact, people came in such numbers that Herod actually had to build a huge courtyard to help house all the pilgrims that were coming in. And so as you move forward in the temple complex, you walk into a massive expanse of festivity. And so when, when, you, when you think of the size of the outer courtyards of the temple where much of this is taking place, uh, we need to think on a grand scale. I mean, we need to think the Alamo Dome, but, but bigger than the Alamo Dome. Something like five times the size of the Alamo Dome. So five Alamo Domes full of people out in the courtyards. And there's festival booths all over, throughout the grounds, people selling things from food to animals. In fact, there's, there's, a, there's a story from... Earlier in this, this time period that really helps describe this expanse. There's the story of this, this young man. He was an entrepreneur and he decided he was going to bring 3,000 oxen into the temple to sell. And so that's what he did. And, and you can imagine the mess that that would be. Could, could, could you imagine trying to wrangle and sell 3,000 oxen and thousands upon thousands of people? It would it'd be like you walking to a football game at the Alamo Dome and taking 3,000 cows with you when you went. That would be impossible. But, but this guy tried it. And, and this is the sort of uh, festal atmosphere that we're dealing with within the temple. I mean, we know for sure there were sheep pinned up. There were oxen that were, they were put over in the corner. There were, there were pigeons that were in cages. There were doves for sale in booths. And they were all there for people to come by and purchase. So literally and figuratively, the, the temple had become a zoo. But for many people, that was a good thing. They, they were coming in. They, they needed these uh, animals there to purchase for the ritual sacrifices. People to worship and enjoy themselves. And so this is what Jesus is walking into. Is Jesus is walking into worship. Jesus sees these people everywhere. And, and, and they all make it up to the temple. And Jesus sees it all. And, and the, the temple is filling up. Uh, animals are being herded into position and, and the, the, the temple is readied for the massive worship that's ahead of them. The, the difficulty though is the decorum that the priests had set. So a normal uh, pilgrim that was coming from far off, they would be expected to bring some kind of animal. This is for their ritual purification again. It's for their purity. They're going to bring an animal and they'll bring it with them as a part of the worship. But some of those that were traveling from far off, they just decided for convenience sake, it's easier to buy it at the temple. So they're not going to bring anything with them. So most people coming in didn't bring anything. They They bought it there at the temple. But occasionally, people would bring their own and especially the poor. It was usually poor people that brought their own. And so we can imagine something like this. a poor woman coming into worship that holy week, and she may bring her own dove with her. So the sheep and the oxen are the normal sacrificial animals, um, and the sacrifice to purify yourselves and make yourself right for God, with God. But for the poor, for the sick, or, or for women, a dove was allowable. And so here's this woman walking into the temple with with a dove that she brought with her. And she walks up to the priest uh, to prepare the dove for sacrifice, and and the priest would say, it's no good. The priest would find something something wrong with the dove, and he, he would tell her she can't bring that in because he had accepted a bribe from the merchant's. And so the poor woman's dove would be disregarded and she would be required to go purchase one from the merchants out in the temple courtyards. She's already poor and the priest sends her out to the wolves. And so she wades all the way back, all through those people to find someone selling doves. And the merchants were known to triple the price on these holy days. And so they can make an extra 200% or so off a woman like this. And the priest was in on it. And so these sorts of uh, practices had become the decorum in the temple. They had become standard over a couple hundred years. This has just become the way things were. Most people had grown uh, just used to being taken advantage of. But not everyone. And certainly not Jesus. Jesus disregarded their priestly decorum. You know, we know this story well about Jesus where he goes in and, and overturns the money changers' uh, uh, tables. But it's not the only story of, of revolt in the ancient temple. In fact, there's others that disregarded the decorum as well. There's this one story. This is long before Jesus' is time. But there, there's this, this Jewish man who's just fed up with this. And in fact, he gathers a, a lot of his friends together and gets more people to come in. And this is what they decide to do. He hands them all lemons and so this, this Jewish man and all of his friends get lemons. And when the priest is about to make the, the sacrifices for the ritual purity of everyone, they just started throwing lemons at him. Um, and, and it didn't work, right? The guy just went on about his business and they all kept doing the things that they were doing. There's another man too. The story is about the same time as Jesus' day. He got really upset about stories like, like this woman with the dove. He said he's going to block the temple. So he went and sat in the temple entrance, but everybody just walked around him. And so when that didn't work, he went and bought a bunch of doves himself and he started to hand them out for free to people. I mean, this is, this is what they were doing. They they were trying anything to, to help and take care of the temple. This whole process had become a mockery of what God intended. This was not worship. This was not for God. This became for the people. This became about something else other than true worship of our Lord, of our God. This is not what God intended. Now there were a faithful few that could see the hypocrisy. And here comes Jesus. Right into the middle of this mess. Right into the middle of this zoo. And he's going to do something about it. Jesus was disgusted by what they had turned the temple into. He was disgusted by what they had turned worship into. In fact, he could have, couldn't have cared less about the decorum that the priests had set up. And he went into the temple. And he did what he needed to do. Jesus walked in and started driving that decorum right out of the temple. That kind of attitude had no place in God's house. So you can could, you could see with both of these stories, starting with the wedding and then the moving into the temple. Jesus had had it with that ancient decorum. And that begs the question, who, whose de- decorum was Jesus disregarding? Because it wasn't God's. It wasn't God who had set these ways. It wasn't God who made these things happen. See, God has set a way on this earth for good. And these were beyond that. See, good was found in the person of Jesus Christ. The only one who is good, the only one who is honest and beautiful and precious and genuine and proper is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and no one else. And so when he walks into this business, you see purity begin to happen through the hands of Jesus Christ, not through any animal sacrifice, not through any basin of water, but by the hand of Jesus Christ, purity begins to take hold in that ancient way. See, when Jesus commandeered those stone water pots and when he drove those money changers out of the temple, Jesus was disregarding the ways of man, the decorum that man had set up. And he did it. He disregarded all of it to prove once and for all the ways of God will always exceed the ways of man. See, when we get a hold of the things that God has given us, we, we try to mold them into our own ways. We try to take them and go the directions that we want to go. We sort of take God's suggestions and then we say, Well, I'm going to go this way. And Jesus is reminding us there is no way other than the way of our God. See, if we think for an instant that the imagination of our evil hearts prescribes something greater, we are sorely mistaken. But we end up there. We end up there often after we read the scripture. We hear from God and we take it as an opinion rather than truth. When Jesus is speaking into this wedding and speaking into the temple, he's saying, this is the truth of God. And this is what we stand on. You see, in, in both of these stories, it's the people in the background that come quickly into view. It's all those unnamed people that matter most in these stories. And that's where we'll find ourselves in this text. See, often uh, people read these and, and, and try to, to, to find themselves right where Jesus is, but I think this morning, we, we need to find ourselves in the background. And this is what I mean. You think back to that wedding. There were, there were lines of people, lines of wedding guests coming to those stone water vessels to be made pure by their waters. They were attempting to cleanse their souls and cleanse their hands with some blessed water. And that's when Jesus Christ stepped in and said, there's a better way than this. If you want to cleanse your soul and be made pure, if you want to be made right with our God, it is only found in the blood of Jesus Christ, not in the tap water of an ancient wedding. In fact, we, we know later when we get to, towards the crucifixion, when we get to the Last Supper, how does Jesus describe the, the wine and that meal? He, he prescribes for us a simple supper of the bread and the wine. He says, this, this, is, this is my blood, which is given up for you. It's, o- it's only when we come to Christ that we are made pure and righteous before God. Not at some basin of water at an ancient wedding. And the same thing is true at this Passover celebration. Lines of people, hundreds of thousands of people lined up to bring their sacrificial offerings into the temple to be made right with God. They're lined up with these animals that they had paid triple the price for when the Lamb of God was standing right in front of them. Right? Jesus Christ, the son that would be the sacrifice for them, was there and for them and fighting for them. Ready to make them pure and Holy. See, Jesus gave the definitive word on temple sacrifice. And it's not just when, when he said he'd rebuild the temple in three days. You know, at the end of our text, the end of John 2 this week, he, he says, I'm going I'm to rebuild the temple in three days. And, and he was speaking to this. But when he makes the real definitive move at the crucifixion, it's at his death. When at the death, Matthew tells us the temple veil was torn from the top down to the bottom and when it ripped when the temple veil ripped from the top to the bottom it was opening salvation to all through the blood of Jesus Christ those people that had lined up for days to bring a sacrifice into the temple needed no more to do that because the son of God had come because Jesus Christ was was the sacrifice that they needed In fact, Jesus brought this heavenly decorum down to earth, and when Jesus brought the heavenly decorum down to earth, we are purified and made right with God when we repent and believe the gospel. It is that simple. See, we we try to go all of these other different directions. We take God's word as opinion. We take God's word as suggestion when he says, no, I have a way for you. And the way begins in repentance and believing in the gospel. And that's what sets your heart right with me. Where you find purification isn't in a ritual, but it's when you repent and believe. See, often we, we want to go back to our old ways. When God said, I've made you new. You are a new creature in Christ. But we, we want to go back to our old ways. And, and Jesus is calling out to us saying, you, you, don't, you don't have to do it that way anymore. You don't have to go back to your old ways anymore. The, the old things have passed away and you have been made new. You see, when we get a hold of things and, and we get a hold of a wedding or, or the way things are going in a temple or really even we just get a hold of our own schedule, we make life harder. We make it more difficult. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to do it that way anymore. You no longer have to wade through those Jewish purification rituals Because you have Jesus. You no longer have to adhere to the demands of the decorum of this world because you have Jesus. You no longer have to pay the priest for temple sacrifices because you have Jesus today. You no longer have to bear the burden of sin and guilt because you have Jesus today. In our midst, Jesus is here doing what he's been doing for 2,000 years. So you no longer have to walk through this world alone because you have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today who is Emmanuel, God with us. Our restorer and our redeemer is here and offering a new and better way. So it's to him we submit our lives in obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful to be before you this morning grateful because we don't deserve to be here but Lord by your grace and your patience you have let us be and so Lord we come to you this morning asking you to to shape our hearts and help us to know your holiness and Lord that we fall in step with your ways and not our own Lord, with the ways of glory and not of this earth. That we would chase after eternal things, not temporal things. Lord, that we would cling to you and no one else. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.